Greetings, brethren. Welcome to the Feast of Tabernacles, day number six. My time flies, and here we are getting down toward the end of the feast. And have we seen through the first five days that no civilization of men will ever last. And that's because of Satan the devil and the sinfulness of men. And it even applies to the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ and the saints. See? So we'll find that out today and tomorrow. Now, granted, it's going to be the best time in the world. Granted, it's going to be a time unlike any in the whole world from the time of Adam and Eve down to that time. And then, on the eighth day, we'll see something even greater. And what a climax that will be. So let's begin. Let's begin right here in Revelation 20. And let's see what God is going to do to the world. Let's see what we're going to do to help. Let's see what's going to happen to people who come through the tribulation, live on down into the tribulation, and how things will be. And of course, it will be the best time that the world has ever seen up to that time. But Christ has to return, and we have covered that. Come to the earth with all the saints. Let's pick it up here in verse 4. Now, we need to understand this. We're all going to be teachers, administrators, some kings, some priests, and however God structures what it's going to be in the kingdom of God, that's how it will be. So we have an outline of it here in Revelation 20. And I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was given to them. We're going to judge the world. Now that's going to be something. All under Christ. He will be king. Ruling out of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's going to have that great huge tabernacle as we're told there in Isaiah the fourth chapter. And it's going to be a beautiful place to be. No temple. Now if you still think that the temple of Ezekiel 40 onward is the temple that will be in the millennium, that's a misnomer, because it won't be. So we won't get into that here at this point. But we've seen, out of Jerusalem will come the law, many nations shall come up, Want to know about the law of God? 
will be sent out to help them, okay? That's what it means. Judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus. Yes, because in the future here, right ahead of us, we're going to see some very difficult times indeed. And for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image or received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now that's going to be a marvelous time. This is what is called the great harvest of God. Then there will be another one which may even be greater, which is the last great day. Okay? Now notice, this is the first resurrection, verse 5, and here's what we need to understand. Here's what makes it worth it all for all of us in this age. Blessed and holy. Now, that shows we'll be in the God family. We won't be spirit beings. Huh? Because if you're blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. And we've covered all of that. Over these, the second death has no power. We'll come back to that on the eighth day. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So there we go. Let's see what the world is going to be like. Let's see how people are going to live and how we're going to take care of sin because people will still sin. Now, we have seen from Ezekiel 36 that their vile human nature will be reduced considerably to just regular human nature. But God is still going to give them, as we will see, free moral agency, and they will have to choose whether they will love God and serve him. Now let's come to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel 2. This is quite a thing indeed, because book of Daniel, now in the faithful version, it is 852, that's the page we want to get to. Because this tells us, now look, think about this. All the prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to the establishment of the kingdom of God. They go all the way back 2,500 years, 3,000 years, okay? And all the way back to Abraham, and there are even some things before Abraham. So we're going to see. That's a marvelous thing. But here's the prophecy of it. Remember that King Nebuchadnezzar saw this great image, head of gold and, and arms and breast of silver, 
And after silver comes bronze, okay? Then after bronze comes iron, and after iron comes iron and clay. And Nebuchadnezzar pulled a smart one on all of the religious leaders and the ones who are supposed to be prognosticators to tell the future. He wouldn't tell the dream to them. So they said, well, how are we going to know what the dream is? How can we tell you what the dream is and tell you what it means if you don't tell us what the dream is? So God gave it to Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they came in and told the king the meaning of it. Now then, he gives the conclusion of it because it was something. Let's come here to verse 43, Daniel 2. Now remember, it's all various forms of Babylon right down to the end of human civilization before the return of Christ. And what does the book of Revelation call the world? Babylon, what? The great, fills the whole earth, okay? Now, verse 43, he says to the king, and whereas you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but shall not cling to one another, even as iron does not combine with clay. So that shows at the end time that it's going to be a temporary alliance that comes along. And in the days of those kings, the ten toes. And these are the ten we have seven heads and ten horns of Revelation 17. The toes and the ten horns of Revelation 17 are the same thing. Okay? And in the days of these kings, God shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed because the kingdom of God will go on and on. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. Now, who's it going to be left to? Huh? The sons and daughters of God. Right? Yes. But it, that is the stone that's cut out without hands, which is Christ, shall break it in pieces and consume it, and all these kingdoms, they'll all be taken down. And it, kingdom of God, shall stand forever. See? Now stop and think about it. How great it is that God is preparing all of this for us. And that we're going to live forever. Forever. See? That's why we have to draw close to God, especially in these last days. Okay? Verse 45. And because you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, 
it shall break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. All of the best of man cannot be compared to what God is going to bring. And he's going to have to get rid of it all. So Daniel says, The great God is made known to the king which shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. There's no way it's going to change. Now sometimes, because we don't understand how things will fall in a flow of times and actual years, we wonder. I imagine that the church, when it first started, on the day of Pentecost, and they began to understand certain things, and they were reading the book of Daniel, were wondering, well, when will this be? Well, here we are. 2,000 years after the church, and we're still moving ahead toward the end, and it's going to come. It is going to come. All right? Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped him. Now, for the king to worship Daniel is a big deal. Because why? The subjects knelt and bowed the knee. And in some cases, when they thought that the king was a manifestation of God in the flesh, they worshipped him. Okay. And on the earth, that did not cease until the end of World War II and Japan was conquered. And that was quite interesting. Because when the Japanese were ready to surrender, they didn't want to surrender the emperor for him to be taken out of position. So the United States agreed to let him live if he would confess that he was not a god and if he would go out and mingle among the people and let them look him in the face. So that was the only condition that the Japanese could have. So that was granted. Okay. So look how long that lasted. Now notice what else Nebuchadnezzar did. And he commanded to offer an offering and sweet incense to him. And the king answered Daniel and said, It is true. Now how many people will do this today? Okay. It is true that your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal the secret. Now then, look at what happened to Daniel. And this came out to be a great benefit for all the Jews in Babylon. And later, when the 70-year captivity was up, the majority of Jews stayed in Babylon 
rather than come back to Jerusalem and build the temple and live there. So that's quite a thing. Now, a little sidebar on that. We find in 1 Peter that Peter was in Babylon when he wrote the book of 1 Peter. Huh. How did he get there? Well, after the angel let them out of prison in Acts, the 12th chapter, and he came to Mark's house, it says, and he left to go to another place. Well, since he was the apostle to the circumcision, the greater number of Jews were still in Babylon. And so that's why it says that First Peter was from Babylon. Okay? Let's go on. Then the king made Daniel great and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over all the province of Babylon and chief of the perfects over all the wise men in Babylon. See? And then... Daniel asked the king to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be with him. All right. Now let's come to Daniel, the eighth chapter. And let's see what's going to happen. And this is coming on the world. And when the beast finally comes on the world, this is going to be some great and awesome thing. And the false prophet. And many are going to be deceived. That's why it's important that we keep the Sabbath, the Passover, and the Holy Days. Because those people who don't do it will be deceived. Now, we can talk about that later. But let's see how the book of Daniel and Daniel 2 and Daniel 8, and then we'll go to Daniel 7, brings us to the coming of the kingdom of God on the earth. Verse 23, Daniel 8. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have come to the full, a king of fierce countenance, and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. That means he's a worshiper of Satan, the devil. Now, what does it say in Revelation 13 about the beast that's going to rise up and the whole world worships Satan and the beast? And then remember, false prophet comes on the scene with miracles and power and calling fire down from heaven, and the whole world is going to go after it. Okay? Notice verse 24. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. No, from Satan. And he shall destroy marvelously, and shall prosper and do his will, and destroy the mighty and holy people. That's the fifth seal of Revelation 6. Okay? Martyrdom of the saints. 
and also through his cunning he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. Now that means bringing out all of the satanic things to control people. And when he is healed from the deadly wound, that's when he will start killing the saints. Okay? The whole world's going to worship him. Okay? Now that's something. Okay? So this is talking about the beast power. Okay? And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and in time of security shall destroy many. Now notice, he also shall stand up against the prince of princes. This is in Revelation 19, the beast and the false prophet. Okay, notice, but he shall be broken without a human hand. Yes, who's going to take care of the beast and the false prophet? An angel. And what is the angel going to do to them? Throw them in the lake of fire. All right? Now, what he says here, and the vision of the evening and the morning which you saw is true. Okay? Now, let's come to Daniel 7. Let's see about the kingdom that's going to be set up. See? Now, notice... All the other prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, all of the 12 minor prophets having things to do with the end time, all are subdivisions of the book of Daniel. And the book of Revelation is the key which puts it all together. So you can't understand things with just Daniel alone, and you can't understand things with just Revelation alone. You need both of them. Okay? Now here. Daniel 7 and verse 18, it talks about the beast. We won't get into that if you don't have our, our uh, series on Daniel in Revelation, be sure and write for it, okay? But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever, okay? And then Daniel writes here, I desire to know the truth concerning the fourth beast, which was different from all others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and nails of brass, who devoured broken pieces, and stamped the rest with his feet, and the ten horns that were on his head, and the other horn which came up before him through whom three fell. So that's bringing the beast to power, taking them out. Even the horn that had eyes and a mouth speaking very boastful things, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. Amazing. Now then, Daniel continued to watch. And the same horn made war with the saints 
and overcame them. That sounds like the beast power and the false prophet combined, right? Yes. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. Revelation 20. And judgment was given to them, right? And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Okay. Now then, he explains a little bit of it. So let's finish it here in Daniel, the seventh chapter. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, a worldwide government. And that agrees with Revelation. And shall trample it and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. Now, here we have it, okay? Identifying it again, over and over again. And he shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change set times and laws. Now, that's a prophecy of what the Catholic Church would do. And they have done it. And to this very day, it's effective in everything except the true churches of God. And they shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. But judgment shall sit. There it is again. All those who come against us and kill the saints, martyrdom of the saints, all of those who come against Christ and fight against him, they're going to have to come under the judgment of God and we will be there to execute it. But the judgment shall sit and his dominion taken away to be consumed and to be destroyed unto the end. And the kingdom, now listen to this, and the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Now, who is the Most High? God the Father, right? Yes, indeed. See what's going to be given to us? Now, what I want you to do, because when we leave and go home after the feast, many of us will be confronted with some trials or difficulties. So I want you to keep in mind the greatness of what God is going to do for us and give us the kingdom. And we will be, as it says there in 1 Corinthians 2, that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And this is to help us in times of stress and in difficulty. So we come to God and pray to him to help us and to overcome these things. Okay. Whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all kingdoms shall serve and obey him. All right. Now let's see what's going to happen to the earth. 
Let's see how all of this is going to take place. But first of all, let's come to Psalm 15, and let's see who's going to rule. Well, it even says it right here in the book of Psalm. Psalm 15. This is quite a thing, a short psalm. Okay? Here it is right here. The tabernacle of God, and that also means the government of God, and that also means to serve God in his kingdom. Psalm 15, Lord, who shall dwell in your tabernacle? Yes. And who shall dwell upon your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. This is how we are to conduct our life. And speaks the truth in his heart. Now, the truth of God and the spirit of God, which is the spirit of truth, cleanses our hearts and our minds so that we are not living in lies. He who does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who has not put out his money at usury and has not taken a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. All right? And we're going to go out and take over the kingdom. That's quite a thing, isn't it? All right? Come here to Isaiah 12. Here's a nice little short chapter in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 12. And remember, in Isaiah and the Psalms, there is more about the kingdom of God than in any of the other books of the Bible. Okay? Isaiah 12. Let's pick it up here in verse 1. And in those days you shall say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you do comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. Now, this is how we look to God for everything. So, This talks about God calls us and forgives us, gives us his spirit. Okay. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. That means receiving continuously the Holy Spirit. And when you come to Revelation 22, what's the first thing you see? The water of life coming out from underneath the throne of the Father and Jesus and into the river of life with the trees of life on each side of the river with fruit for each month. That's amazing, okay? There it is right there. Verse 4, and in that day you shall say, praise the Lord. See, that's what we will do. We're not going to have people looking to us and 
we turn people to us instead of turning them to God. See? Now you think about that of what men do in that way to turn people away from God and turn them to themselves. We've seen that happen, haven't we? Okay. What is one of the greatest classical examples of that today in this world? Adolf Hitler. Huh. And what did he do? Well, he was a false messiah. He was one of those ten horns that was taken down. Okay. Another one's going to come up here pretty quick. Okay. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. What is he going to do to the earth? We'll see here in a minute. He's going to make it the most beautiful place that there ever was. And that's only the start. See? This is known in all the earth. Okay? Cry out and shout, O habitat of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Then isn't that interesting? The next chapter talks about the destruction of Babylon. Amazing how the Bible is put together. All right? Now, let's come here to Isaiah 35. Let's see what he's going to do to the earth. He's going to have to do so many things to the earth to get it to, to produce, have men work it, to rebuild everything and plant their crops and harvest them, keep the Sabbath, keep the holy days, keep the seven-year land Sabbath. And you know, the seven-year land Sabbath is the key to a stable economy. Okay? Now, Isaiah 35. Here's what's going to happen. Now, when you... have. I'm sure most of you have flown on a jet someplace in the world. Now, when you're up there 35,000 feet, flying along at nearly 600 miles an hour, that's quite a thing, isn't it? Okay. And you look down on the earth. It looks nearly empty. So how much is the world going to change when God blesses it for the millennium? All right, here it is. The wilderness and the desert shall be glad and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Now you take, how about the Sahara Desert, the Gobi Desert, the Deserts in America, okay? Wherever else there are deserts, deserts in Australia. See? No one lives there. Some people do in some little oasis, but they travel even to this day by camel caravan. And it's hot 
and it's windy, and it's difficult, right? So blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. Now, I can tell you this. I don't know how the earth is going to rejoice in singing, but it is true that the earth, when evil people work it, does not produce what it should. It affects the soil. It affects the plants. Okay? The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Okay? And here's what God is going to do. Make the weak hands strong and make the feeble knees sure. Now, we're going to be dealing at the beginning of the millennium with a lot of people who have come through the tribulation, and that's going to be something indeed. So this is what we're going to do. Say to those of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with full recompense of God, and he shall come and save you. Okay? Now notice, it's going to happen. This is physically and spiritually. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness, waters shall break out, and streams in the desert. Can you imagine that? What's that going to be like? Now, this is all necessary for supporting the great increase of human beings that's going to come on the earth, Okay. And a parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land shall become springs of waters in the home of jackals in its lair. And it shall be a place for the reed and the rush. And a highway shall be there. There's going to be a highway, see. And it's going to be for the righteous. And it's going to be a marvelous thing. And a highway shall be there, and a way it shall be called the way of holiness. Now, it will be literal there, true, but it will also be spiritual because the way that we will be living and the way that people will be taught by us on how they are to live. See? And think about it. No more the gruesomeness of this world and the sickness and the disease and the crime and the killing and the starvation and the oppression and war, all gone. He'll make wars to cease and they will not learn war ever again. All right? Now let's go on. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for him who walks 
in that way. What way? The way of holiness. What are the commandments of God? Holiness. What are the Sabbath and holy days of God? But the way of holiness. See? We're doing it now. We're going to help the world do it. And what a place that's going to be. See? So this whole thing of living forever and being in the millennium and out bringing these things on the earth, yes, we'll just see all of this in projecting forward to the new heavens and the new earth. That's why Feast of Tabernacles is seven days, and then we have the eighth day. See, because God is going to finish it with a great climax, okay? Verse 9, No lion shall be there, nor any beast of prey shall go up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk therein, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's what we're going to do. Okay? Now let's take a break, come back, and we'll see some more of what we're going to do because God is going to make this earth such a wonderful place, it will be virtually unbelievable. So see you when we get back. Okay, let's continue on with day number six and how the kingdom of God is going to work, and everything's going to flow out of Jerusalem. So it's going to be wonderful indeed. Now let's look at some Psalms which talks about God reigning, because that's the only way that the millennium is going to work, okay? Psalm 93, let's go there. Psalm 93. Now, it says this several different places we'll look at it because this is absolutely marvelous. Verse 1, the Lord reigns. Okay? Christ is in charge. The saints are working. The apostles, the patriarchs, the prophets, all in harmony together under Jesus Christ. He is clothed with majesty. It's going to be like to see Jesus in his majestic form. Now, Peter, James, and John saw him when he was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. But what's it going to be like for all of us? Hmm. Go visit Jerusalem, go talk to Christ, go talk to Abraham, whatever we need. The Lord is clothed with strength. He clothed himself, and the world is also established. 
it shall not be moved. Not going to change. Your throne is established of old. You are from everlasting. Boy, quite a thing that is, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Okay. Let, let's go on. Let's come to Psalm 95. Okay. Psalm 95. And here's what it's going to be. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him with psalm. For the Lord is a great God and a king above all gods. Now, that refers, first of all, that in this world, he is the only true God. But in the millennium, we will all be sons and daughters of God with the nature of God. So this may be referring to us. Okay. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the peaks of the mountains are also his. Amazing thing, isn't that? The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our God, for he is our God. Now it's going to apply to us and to all the people living during the millennium. And we are his people and of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So then he talks about something that will be enforced today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Okay? That's about the Sabbath. Okay? Everybody's going to keep the Sabbath, aren't they? It's going to be a wonderful time. Yes, indeed. All right. Let's come down here to Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Think of what it's going to be like when Sabbath begins and then rolls around to the whole earth. And all the people come out to praise God, worship God, be thankful and grateful, love each other. No crime, no terror, no false whatever going on going to be a great time, okay? Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim his salvation from day to day. That's what's going to be all during the millennium, proclaiming the salvation of God and why they are here and why are we there with them, okay? Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. Now look at that. All the earth and all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Okay? For all gods of the nations are idols. Now that's talking about those that are out there today. 
but the Lord made the heavens. And isn't it astonishing how much we're able to see with the James Webb telescope? Going out some 13 billion light years. That is amazing that God gave that technology to those scientists and those engineers to design that telescope. So there would be this reflection of God as never before seen, as a witness to the whole world. Okay? Honor and majesty are before him, verse 6. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O you kindreds of people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Now, that's showing us that there is going to be a great spiritual connection with us and God and with the people and us and the people to God. And it's going to be a marvelous thing indeed. Okay? Verse 10, Say to the nations, The Lord reigns. There it is again. How fantastic that is that we know what that's going to be. And the world shall be established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people with righteousness. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness of it. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Now, I don't know what that's going to be like. I've never heard a tree sing. But as spirit beings, maybe we can. <laughs> okay. And sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with truth. No more. Satan the devil. Huh. That's going to be something indeed. All right. Let's continue on right here in Psalm 97. Look at this, how these psalms fit together. All of them together, showing the kingdom of God and what it's going to be like and how the people are going to be and also revealing what we will be doing because we'll be kings and priests and administrators and all of that in the kingdom of God. Psalm 97, here it is again. The Lord reigns. Let all the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the islands be glad. Clouds and darkness are all around him. His righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Hmm. A lot different than today, isn't it? Huh? Yes, indeed. And who's going to be administering that? We are. Think of that. 
we're going to have the greatest, the greatest jobs, if we could put it that way, for all eternity. And we don't know how that's going to increase. And we don't know what God has in plans with the rest of the universe. He didn't make it in vain. <clears throat> but he's not telling us what he's going to do with it until he's ready. Okay. Verse 2, Psalm 97. Clouds and darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes out before him and burns up his enemies all around. That's when he comes down to the earth. Okay. His lightnings light up the world. The earth saw and trembled. Mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all people see his glory. Ooh, that's going to be something. Okay. Now, let's come to Psalm 98 and then 99. Because these are all about the same thing. See? And the point that's important is we will be part of it. People coming into the kingdom of God under our rulership and then into eternal life will also partake of it. So it's going to be a great and wonderful time. Okay? Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has worked salvation for him. He's made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now, that's going to be something. Make a joyful noise to the, to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and rejoice and sing praise. Sing to the Lord with the lyre and the voice of psalms, with silver trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful noise before the Lord. Okay, So that's what it's going to be. Very little to no crime. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. No more war. No more fighting. People loving each other. Loving God. And having children and the increase of the family is going to be so great. And all of the people will have the ability to express their talents, their God-given talents, and what they can do. And marvelous things are going to be done by them. Just think about what many good things that people do on the earth today, all right? In spite of the evil. And the evil always overtakes it and destroys it. But think what it's going to be like then. All of the joy, all of the love, all of the 
working together. That's going to be something. Okay. Now let's come down here to Psalm 99. Again, says the same thing. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The earth is great in Zion. He is high above all the people. Let them praise your name as great and awesome. Holy is he. Now that's going to be something. Think about how that's going to be. See? Verse 4. The strength of the king also loves justice. Rightly dividing the word of God. Rightly judging in situations where judgment must be given and done in righteousness. Okay? Verse 4. The strength of the king also loves justice. You establish uprightness. You have exercised justice and righteousness in the land. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Then it talks about Moses and Aaron. Be among them. Okay. Now come to Psalm 100. Okay. Short little psalm. But what a wonderful, wonderful psalm. And now this picture's what the millennium is going to be. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He has made us, and we are his. Now think about that. For the first time in the history of the world, Beginning with the millennium, people will know they're a creation of God. Special. Individual. And that's something. You compare that to the world today, there can be no comparison. Okay? He made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures to all generations. What a time that is going to be. All through the millennium. Okay, let's see what else we have. Okay, now, let's take a look. Let's come to Isaiah 65. So let's see how it's going to be during the millennium with the people living here. Okay, what is it going to be? Let's come to Isaiah 65 and verse 17. Now, let's come back to the beginning of the millennium. The earth is in complete upheaval. 
Mountains have been lowered. Valleys have been raised. Seas and rivers have been changed. And all of that has to be reset. Okay? So that's why it says in verse 17, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered nor come to mind. Okay? Now then, what's going to happen, we'll see here, with the people? Verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. Behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people of joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and I will joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Now then, notice verse 20 and what's going to happen. You can guarantee this. There will be no abortions in the kingdom of God. There will be no sex perversion like we have today or other times in history in the past. Won't be there. Okay? Here's what it will be, verse 20. And there shall not be an infant who lives but a few days. Huh. Nor an old man who has not filled his days. You're going to have full lives. That's what it's going to be for the people who come through the great tribulation and enter into the kingdom of God and then all the way down through the thousand years. This will peat and repeat and peat and repeat all the way. Okay? For the child will die a hundred years old. Okay. So there will still be death. But what kind of death will it be? Well, first of all, the scriptures tell us that as an Adam, all die. Okay. Now let's talk just a little bit about the resurrection at the return of Christ. There will be those raised from the grave. Then there will be those who are alive in the flesh. Okay? And they will be instantly transformed from flesh to spirit. But the removal of the flesh is death. Won't be around any longer. Okay. So when it says the infant shall die a hundred, well, that is how long everybody's going to live. A hundred years. And at the end of a hundred years, the time will come that they will enter the kingdom of God. So at that time, it will be just like at the first resurrection. Here they, I don't know how we're going to do this, but it would be something if we have a, a, a going out or coming in service for those who are leaving the flesh and becoming spirit beings. 
Now that's going to be something, isn't it? Okay. Whatever time it will be, wouldn't it be amazing if that all transformation from flesh to spirit occurs during the millennium on Pentecost? Okay. Just a thought. I'll ring my bell. Okay. Here we are in Sabbath services. Everybody is there. And whatever saint who is a spirit being who is in charge of that will be there. And here we have a, a whole group of 100-year-old people who are ready to enter the kingdom of God and be transformed from flesh to spirit. Okay? And so we announce their names and come forward. And I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be laying on of hands and God changes them. I have no idea. But they're going to be changed from flesh to spirit. So at the time that the flesh, they leave it, that's dying in Adam and being made alive in Christ. Okay, so let's go on. We find something else here. Okay, now in verse 20, let's continue. But the sinner who is 100 years old shall be accursed. So this tells us that during the millennium, there still will be sin. Now a sinner who is 100 years old and hasn't repented is not going to have the chance of a sudden change at the last minute in his hundredth year. Okay. As a matter of fact, we will see in just a little bit that the sinners are going to be removed and exiled away from those who are faithful. So when they die, They'll be buried. And when they die, then they will await the resurrection to the lake of fire of all incorrigible wicked. Okay? Because that has to happen as we read Revelation 20. Okay, let's finish it here, and then we'll see what happens to sinners. They shall build houses and live in them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They will not build and another live in them. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of the tree are, so will the days of my people be. And my elect will long enjoy the work of their hands. Okay. Now, what is the example that we have when we have Someone who sins. Okay. Now, what are we going to do? We're not going to let them spread the sin. So, we'll be able to work with them, talk with them, pray with them, help them to overcome their sin. Okay. And 
that will be taken care of with the sinner having already been removed from the group of righteous people. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we find this in Genesis, the third chapter. Okay. What happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned? They were removed from the Garden of Eden and were not given entrance back into it ever again. Okay. So, what do you do with people who sin, but maybe not a sin unto death? All right. You still remove them, and there will probably be what we would call repentance centers, which then there will be special teachers to help them come to repentance, to understand what they've done, for them to see how wrong that they have been, so that they will have an opportunity to repent. See, because God isn't going to take away free moral agency from anyone, see. But repentance is a choice that they're going to have to make. Now, what if they will repent? What do you do with them? Because it says the sinner shall die a hundred. So what do you do with them? Well, just like we have with Adam and Eve, what happened when Cain killed Abel? He was further removed. So when there are unrepentant sins, and people cannot choose to do right, they must be entirely removed. Now, where are they going to go? Now, let's come to Revelation 20. Let's see that. Okay? They have to go someplace where they will die and be buried when they reach 100. Okay? So where will that be? Well, Revelation 20. We have this. We'll cover a little more in detail tomorrow. Verse 7. Now, when a thousand years have been completed, Satan shall be least, loosed out of his prison. Okay. We'll expand on that tomorrow. We just want to get this. Verse 8. He shall go out to deceive the nations that are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Now, Gog and Magog has to refer geographically to an area of Gog and Magog where the unrepentant sinners go. Okay. Now, during the millennium when they go there, they will live there. We don't know if they'll be able to repent from that and come back or not. We'll have to wait and see. But they will live to be 100 and die and be buried. That's their first death, okay? So, why does this not mean the people of Gog and Magog? Because that means that God would be a respecter of persons. 
and beforehand condemned Gog and Magog people to the second death. So this has to be the area. So that's where they will be exiled. Okay. Now, the rest of it's going to be run this way. Let's come back to Isaiah 30. Here's how we're going to teach the people, let them know what they need to do, and give them a chance to repent from their sins. Verse 18, Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. For the people who dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the voice of your crying. And when he hears it, he will answer you. So you see, when people come to repentance, see, they don't repent to us, they'll repent to God. And God is the one who grants repentance. He will hear and answer them. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, there still will be trials during the millennium. See? For those people who don't do what they should do. And when they reach a point they have to be removed, they'll first go to the repentance centers and we don't know how that's going to work, and that is just a, how should we say, based on the knowledge of the Bible, a supposition of what's going to happen. Okay? Continuing now, yet your teachers, that's us, shall not be removed into a corner anymore. But your eyes shall see your teachers, and your ears shall hear a sound behind you saying, when you're out there ready to sin, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left hand. Okay, so whenever they get out of hand, they're going to be taught. Okay, now, where will they learn this? I'm sure a lot of it will be direct at the time that they commit the sin. But it also may be when they all come together for Sabbath services to be taught and taught how to grow and overcome, and taught what they need to know to enter into the kingdom of God. And they will have all of us as spirit beings to be able to teach them, to lead them, to instruct them, so that they will succeed. Now, human nature is such that with free moral agency, a person can make up his or her mind 
and choose not to repent and choose not to change. Well, they have to be removed to exile in Gog and Magog, and they have to live there. And I don't know if they'll have an opportunity to repent there, but if they do, then we'll have to see if they can come back or not. But the incorrigible wicked are going to live to be a hundred and die and be buried. Okay? And of course then, they're going to await the resurrection to the lake of fire. So, that's apparently how God is going to handle it. Now, if it's any different than that, God will reveal it to us when we enter the kingdom of God. Okay? That's why we need to grow in grace and knowledge, grow in understanding and using God's word, and how to develop the heart and the mind of loving God with everything within us, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul and all our being, and our neighbors as ourselves. And so that we can have love toward the people during the millennium, we can help them overcome their sins, we can help them grow in grace and knowledge, we can teach them, and also know this, Christ is going to teach us a lot more too, so we can teach them. So this is going to be the whole plan of God to bring great salvation to all who will repent and all who will love God and serve God and walk in his commandments and do his will and glorify God where it says the Lord reigns. Now we have one more day for the Feast of Tabernacles, which is tomorrow. So y'all come back for day seven.